1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast, production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And as always, we bring you really cool guests that are more intelligent than we are. That have solutions shot. to Yeah, that have solutions to problems that you might not even know you have in your agency. And today is no exception. We have Mr. Casey Nelson from StackWise on the podcast with us. Casey, what's up, man?
2: Oh man, I'm just living the dream. How are you guys doing? Good.
1: It's uh, yeah, I'm living the dream. I smell like stale sweat because I had a loss control visit outside at one of the resorts I represent, sweat through my pants and shirt, got in a car to drive all the way back and didn't have enough time to change before I got to the office. so I got that going for me. Nobody's coming in to bother me with anything in the office right now. I can promise you that. Okay. <laughs> hey, by the way, for those of you agents out there that don't understand, if you want your loss control visit to go very quickly? Make sure you spend the majority of it outside. The guy from the carrier mm, was also yeah. sweating and didn't want to be there any more than I did. So we were able to in and out. Nobody gets hurt. past the visit it's a good with point. flying colors. That's why you schedule audits for 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. Yeah, That's Josh yeah. Gurley trick right there.
3: Tricks of the trade.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So Casey, tell everybody a little bit about sort of your background and, and what got you to where where we are today. And then we're going to dive in and talk about StackWise and, what you're going to do to help agencies? Because I think that um, you bring a very necessary skill set to the agency world, and some experience inside of an agency. So,
2: yeah, absolutely. I um, I hope my uh, my experience is unique. So I actually started uh, my working life as a teacher, and I taught government to high school seniors. You know the, um, hmm. the the students that are like almost grown up, like almost real people at that point. So you can kind of joke with them a little bit. It was, a, it was a pretty awesome gig. I loved it. Um, did that for eight years, uh, most of it in Texas, some of it in Michigan. And then after uh, teaching in Michigan for a year, I decided teaching was no longer for me. And I had an opportunity to open up a branch of an uh, independent insurance agency out of Frisco, Texas. I happened to be a client prior to uh, opening my branch. So uh, I had an opportunity to open that branch. I was I was effectively a captive agent for about a year. All I had was Safeco and Progressive. Those are the only two carriers that, mm-hmm. that were letting me ride right up in Michigan. So That sounds absolutely horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was slow going, but at least those two carriers had really great rates. So I, I had some, some success and uh, did that for a year in Michigan and then came back to Texas as fast as we could. Uh, ended up having, like you said, some agency experience. Uh, went back to the agency that I'd opened up a branch for and we rolled everything in and Uh, Ran that uh, office for five or six years, uh, got a lot of experience in the management and the carrier relationships. And fortunately for me, a lot of opportunity to learn the insurance tech side and automations and integrations. So tried to do that as much as we could, uh, put put a lot of um, systems and workflows in place to help our agency and our producers be more efficient. And over time, uh started to really fall in love with that process and decided to start StackWise. And and that's really what StackWise is all about, is helping agents by managing their workflows and automation so that they don't have to do it themselves. There you go. I
1: mean, automation is kind of the shiny object keyword of the decade, I think, more <laughs> than anything else right now. I hear people who probably can't even spell automation say automation as if they are dealing with massive FOMO because they don't have it in their agency. And you know, I think it's interesting. We're gonna talk a lot about what you can do and some of the some of the tricks of the trade that you have and how you can help agencies, but you know, part of what people need to realize is this is a very intentional road for you to go down in your agency and in order for you to do that. There are some things that have to be in place first. Talk a little bit about that, man. I mean, let's just assume that you blow everybody's socks off and wow everybody on the podcast and you get 400 calls next week of people who want to engage with StackWise. Probably 375 of those agencies are not going to be somebody you want to work with because they're not ready. So talk about what you're looking for when you... Get that call from an agency that says, "Casey, I really want you to come in and 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 help with putting automations in place." What do they need to have ready for you to be able to go in and seamlessly do that?
2: Well, ideally, they're going to have a well thought out tech stack. Um, that's really where the name came from as well. Like you know, stack wise is like, "Hey, let's manage your tech stack wisely." So um, some people just pull the next shiny object, the next new. Technology and they think, oh, that's going to work. And so I have run into a couple situations where people have some technologies that are just incompatible. They just don't work together. They don't play nice. So ideally, yeah, if an agency is ready for me to come in and maximize the effectiveness of the tools that they're already using, then they've had some intention with the selection of their current tech stack. Uh, I don't see my role or Stackwise's role as coming in and telling you which softwares or which applications to use. Hopefully you've selected the tools that are right for your agency. But um, but I think that's the number one thing is making sure that people have a good reason, a good understanding of why they chose the programs that they chose. And then the next step is figuring out every possible automation that we can build out that will help their team be more efficient, more effective.
1: So the one thing I think agencies need to have, though, in order to do that, and in my experience, many don't, is formalized, documented processes, right? You can't automate what doesn't exist.
3: True. So So I could
1: have the greatest tech stack in the world, and if I don't have my processes documented to where we can build the automations around them, then I'm wasting my money and I I I'm not saying this, you know, being critical to people who don't have it. We live that, right? I mean, when we put HubSpot into our agency, we had a lot of process, you know, process thought processes we had to go through. I mean, one of mm-hmm. the things we're doing as an agency right now is we're running through e- the EOS system, you know, with traction. And we're, you know, we're looking at things from an operational perspective and I, you know, I, I tongue-in-cheek joke about it on the podcast. You don't really hear us talk about agency ops much on the podcast. Well, guess what? That's because that's not really what I... The, you know. It's not what I want to do. It's in do. our strong suit. No, it's not mine anyhow. you know It could be if all I had to do was be responsible for that. Right. But I don't want to do that. I want to produce. I want to do the things that, that make me happy and, and give me fulfillment. But that doesn't mean... Also, that I can completely turn a blind eye to all of that stuff right i've got mm-hmm. i've gotta, to sit down and document it, and so I would challenge people you know if you're one of these agencies out there that's thinking, "Oh, I really want to get you know drip campaigns going or I want to have automations for different workflows that we have and all of that, stop and ask yourself, do I have this documented in a way that is easily explainable to somebody who's an outsider coming into my agency?" Mm-hmm. so that they can learn it and you know we joke because we have David LaFever in our agency who handles all of our HubSpot stuff but when I refer him to another agency or somebody asks you know do you it's funny people always ask like I'm the gatekeeper to LaFever. do you mind if we use David LaFever?" well I don't I mean <laughs> guy's got a 10 you know I 1099 him he's got his own company you ask him if he wants to work with you I don't care who uses him I hope his business blows up but you know when people people call me and ask me, you know, can I use David LaFever? The first thing I'm thinking to myself is, better have your stuff documented. And number 2, I, I joke about it, but it's the truth. David Lefevre learned how to shave on my face in the insurance industry. I'm, you know, he had never worked in insurance and that until is a he worked big with
3: ass face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. And let me tell you something, I moved He's not to-
3: coming near my beard.
1: I moved to the Braun electric shaver, best move ever, man. Best Is move. Is that ever. one
3: of the deals with like the three little tiny
1: No, that's Norelco. Uh, yeah, there you go. I have the one where I plug it in, push a button and it cleans itself after every after every mm. shave. But it's okay. an interesting deal man because your beard or in my case lack thereof but your your face come your whiskers come in differently like they're all exactly the same length when they come in it's like it feels it just feels weird but you sh- literally I can shave every day now I used to shave like every third day cuz my skin's so sensitive I'd hack it up with the razor. So anyhow, Braun is not a sponsor of the Power <laughs> Producers podcast, and I don't anticipate them being one anytime soon. But if anybody needs a wreck on a good electric shaver, the top shelf the one from Braun, Nurel it cost cut. me like four hundred bucks or something like that. Was on, was on point. I love there it. There you go. Yeah, yeah.
3: Excellent. It, anyways, um, yeah. So you, sa- it's you all said, you, man. No, I've got nothing. I'm trying to get us back on track with with Lafever. You said he 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 uh, he learned, you know, kind of on. On your watch well, yeah, because there. the people because
1: um, yeah, people now they you know now that they get him he knows what he's doing and he, he understands basic processes at least the way that I think about them so he operates at a much more efficient level uh, than he originally did working with us because it was a lot of education and of me explaining you know here's how you do this and here's why you do this and just mm-hmm. constantly going through every single process whereas Casey comes to the table he's already been in the agency world he's been there done that. Specific right. to this type of stuff, it's just it's a lot more efficient, I think than going out and trying to find somebody to to program things for you that really doesn't understand the agency model.
3: yeah, that makes sense. What would you say would be the most valuable thing that you were able to pull from your experience into transitioning into what you're doing now? Um, you know
2: what oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were still. Asking them yeah, that. your most your most valuable experience. My most valuable experience is well, I think from day one in 2016 when they put me in charge of the agency, they just gave me the keys to the car and said, "Figure it out." So I can mm-hmm. relate to those agency owners who are trying to figure things out. Um, you know, ideally they've they've got something like like David said, like if they have good processes in place, uh, certainly makes my job easier. But I can relate to the idea of figuring out what um what the quoting process should look like, what the follow-up expectations are, how many calls your um, you know your your KPI indicates they should make on a day-to-day basis, or how many visits they should make to referral partners. All of those things are things that we had to build out in that agency that some of them existed, some of them didn't, but all of them changed over six years. I can promise you, all of them changed one way or the other because Technology changes the way people change. Heck, COVID, you know, forced more change than than anything in probably the last twenty years. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the the biggest asset I have from being in the insurance agency space is I had to learn how to figure it out so I can relate to them when they're at a loss.
1: So you've probably got a pretty good idea when you when you engage with somebody. Let's just say I'm you know an agency owner. I've got. Some of my processes is documented and we do it this way because this is the way we've always done it. But I realize I need to probably push things into the next sensory and start automating some tasks so that I can make sure things don't slip through the cracks, maybe operate a little more efficiently. There's got to be some low hanging fruit like that you're going to recommend or that you're going to look at that you see pretty consistently anytime you get involved with an agency. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, I think that some examples uh, that that are low-hanging fruit would be renewals and retention. I think that renewals and retention efforts are largely cans that people kick down the road and they expect that because they've had decent retention, that they're always going to have decent retention. So that's probably one of the lowest hanging fruits is engaging with those customers earlier in the process. Um, I like to call it a digital box out. Where you're getting in touch with them so early that you're able to enhance and accelerate the way that that your agency or the the relationship that your agency already has with those people. Um, that's one thing that I think a lot of agencies are are put you know procrastinating, putting off whatever um, just in the hopes that hey, we're making money, we're growing, let's just continue to do what we're doing versus hey, let's address this now and let's magnify let, let's let's uh, multiply the rate at which we're growing by doing more to reach out to those clients. So, um, you know, ringless voicemails, I feel like I'm the ringless voicemail guy. I love those. I try to make sure that those are always something that's built out in everybody's process um, because it's a touch point that you get to make with somebody that doesn't require you to actually call them. It doesn't actually require you to spend a whole bunch of time researching their situation, but they got a touch point from you. Um, that That's one. And then the other one um, I brought up at Brainshare last week, I think that a lot of people are are missing out on opportunities to really grow their referral base through reviews. And they're doing that because they're emailing asking for reviews instead of texting to ask for reviews. And then the second to, to back that up even further, I've talked to a few clients, we'll put it that way, who have zero Facebook reviews right now because they're not asking and because they don't have deep links. And I think deep links are the most underutilized, simplest thing to implement for every agency. They don't need me to do it. Every agency could do it. Every business should do it um, because it takes that speed bump, that that roadblock out of the way for the client to leave you an awesome review on social that then you can do all kinds of things with. And um, that deep link for those people that I guess I should probably explain what a deep link is.
1: I was going to say, please tell Kyle what a deep link <laughs> Dude, is because he has was,
3: no clue what you're not talking even close. about right now. And I was going to ask a follow-up question, so thank you.
2: Sure. So if you could put yourself in a situation, everybody I think has gone through this. Uh, maybe you're checking out a, a business website and, on your phone and or you get an email with a link on your phone to a Facebook page. And you click that link to go to their Facebook page and it tries to open Facebook in your phone's browser like Safari, right? And yeah. almost nobody is signed in to Facebook on Safari. It's useless. So then, if you're the customer and you're like, ah, well, hell, maybe I'll go to the Facebook app and I'll search for Florida Risk Partners and blah, 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 blah. But are they really going to do that? I don't know. Probably not. Nope. So, a deep link, instead of opening Facebook in Safari, it searches your phone for the application and it opens your page in their Facebook app. So they don't have to sign in yeah, again. There's no there's really no reason they shouldn't leave you a review at that point because they click the link. They're on your review page in the Facebook app. Um, It's great. And it helped us grow our referral or I'm sorry, our reviews by leaps and bounds. Um, And the same can be done for any social platform. It doesn't have to be Facebook, although Facebook reviews are probably the number one use case. But I mean, people that do a lot of social marketing or videos, you could do the same thing for YouTube. Twitter, Instagram, anything to get people to follow your brand um, without them having to actually go into their app and search for you. It just opens straight in the app.
3: Yep. I mean, that makes perfect sense. That does happen all the time. I mean, you, you know, on a, on a weekly basis, there's something I click where it tries to take you to the browser and it's like, eh, I'm not going to do this. Uh, it actually happened with this dude that I had come out and fixed the garage a, a little while back. Um, he was trying to get me to leave a review. He's like, yeah, click here, click there. I, start, I get, started getting a call. I'm like... I'll just, I'll just go do this, you know, back inside when I have time to, you know, get into this. And I actually did do it. You know, I, I, I kept my word on that. But most people, you're right, are not going to do it. They're going to lose interest.
2: Yeah. it's uh, Yeah, no, it's a pain in the butt, man. Right. And I mean, the system- and, I, It's just not
3: clean. It's, it's, yeah, go ahead.
2: The system I use is uh, URL Genius. I know there's others. They're probably not a sponsor of the show. So, um, <laughs> free plug, I guess. That's- Perfect. I love it. Well, for anybody that does want to use it, URL Genius, I think the first 500 clicks are free, but then it's a a penny a click after that. So if you can get 200, 300 clicks, I mean, that's an easy $3 bill that you just got 300 times the exposure for. It's it's great. I love it. Um, And you get data from those clicks. If you're paying for those clicks, you know where they're coming from. You can create QR codes that are tied to those deep links, all on the same platform. So if you're out, you know, marketing your your agency in a, you know, a, a public space like a community event, which I know a lot of those aren't happening as much, but still, you know, five Ks. We we actually learned about this because we were uh, hosting, or not hosting. We were the title sponsor of a five K. Runners aren't. They don't want to hold anything. They don't want to sign up for anything. They don't want to put their business card in a bucket for winning a bottle of something. They just, but they all have their phones. Every single person has their phone, whether they're running, working out, doing whatever. And so if you have a QR code that's tied to a smart link, uh, sorry, a deep link, then you're getting all that exposure. Um, And then if you've got a pixel installed, you can go that route too. You can direct them to your website. You can know where they scanned it and they they, uh, they have that pixel. They're going to get hit up by your remarketing. So it's all good.
1: Talk a little bit about a pixel and why that's important because I, I mean you and I could sit here and talk all day, but there's about ten thousand other people who have no clue what we're talking about
2: sure, sure yeah so a pixel in uh, really basic terms is uh, a code or yeah I guess code that you would install on your website so that when someone goes to your website oh sorry, you might have heard my dog just then the joys of working at home uh, the pixel code <laughs> is put on <laughs> the pixel code is put on your website so when someone visits your website, and then they go to Facebook. That's how Facebook knows they've been to your website. And if you're running ads, we can actually write it so that they actually will have a higher probability of seeing your ads. So we know that the more time somebody sees your logo, your face, your message, the more likely they are to be a client. I mean, heck, it takes what, eight to 12 touch points before somebody buys anyway. And so anytime they can see your brand and your logo and your advertisements, the better off you are, the more likely you are to make a sale. So Pixels are free, so everybody should have a pixel. Um, I would encourage everybody to market on Facebook if it's in your marketing budget as well. And uh, those two things go hand in hand.
1: Yeah, so my favorite use of a pixel is when we ran what has now become a relatively legendary BMW owner's campaign on YouTube. Um, And I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of the story, but we wrote a lot of premium and spent very little money to do it. But we used, you know, we used Nick's strategy from Made You Look Video Marketing to do it. And I love the fact that we had the pixel at the beginning of the survey on Survey Gizmo, and we had it again at the thank you page so we could close the loop. But if we knew that if somebody's pixel fired when they started it, but the loop didn't close because they redirected to the landing page, that we now could capture that audience and follow them wherever they were on the internet. So that the next time they logged in, and this is several years ago, I know that it's changed a lot since then, but you know, we they would <laughs> they'd log into Facebook to go watch stupid cat videos or whatever, and the next thing you know, here's my mug saying, "Hey, what's the deal? I thought you wanted to save money on your BMW insurance. You didn't even finish my seven question quiz?" Come on, man.
2: That's spectacular.
1: That's awesome. And people would be like, "How's this guy know?" you know. But I mean, there's a lot of power there. Yeah, I tell that story for one reason and one reason only. Most of the people listening to this lack the technical training and education to pull off a move like that. Right? Don't even try it. That's why you need to find people that are professionals. I think sometimes as producers, we get into this muddy area between sales and marketing, right? And we feel like we need to be marketing in order to be selling. I think that the best agencies out there have marketing people or they outsource marketing for people to do that for them so that their producers really are doing nothing except focusing on selling, which is what they should be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's that it's interesting that, um, you know, that you can still do that to some degree. I love having custom audiences and people who are showing some level of interest, but not enough. I think the challenge I make to agencies out there is, you know, what are you doing with the data that you're collecting when you're doing this stuff, right? I mean, it's great to, oh yeah, I've got a pixel or two in my playbook. Okay, great. What are you doing with it though, right? Like how many agency principals that are paying a marketing budget are really spending time to go through and look at ad performance, to look at their Google Analytics to see if traffic is up, to find the the content that people are really consuming on their website? Look, I'm here talking about it and I don't do it. I mean, maybe once a month, I'll get caught in a rabbit hole where I decide to jump in Google Analytics and figure out why somebody from Anchorage is reading my you know, article on fee for service. But I mean, I don't do it nearly as much as I need to. And I started blocking off Friday afternoon specifically for that reason so that I can see here's what we did this week. Here's how the website performed. This is the top content. Here's how social posting has performed. You know, here's how much I spent in AdWords. Here's what I've brought in as a result of spending that money in AdWords. And I can make decisions at that point. But I mean, it blows my mind how much easier, from my perspective, the marketing game is today. Versus where it was twenty years ago. Well, you can get like so much much more information.
3: Yeah, right. And it's and it's instant stuff too. It's you don't have to wait for it to. I mean, obviously, if you run a report for the month, you've got to wait till the month finishes out. But you can basically have anything that you're looking for almost instantly. So it's crazy because where I really started having to, you know,
1: hone in. I've I've always enjoyed marketing. I've always enjoyed you know that end of business in sales too. Never really had to deal with it for myself until I owned my landscape company. And I'll never forget. I mean, this is the difference between then and now. You're talking back then, it was maybe 99, 2000, something like that, when I had my landscape company up in Birmingham. And the way I marketed was I printed a full color, like four-page little magazine-looking thing that talked about all of the things that were changing Going into the fall in Birmingham, and what you needed to do to tidy up your your yard, whether it be get fresh pine straw, winterize your sprinkler system, all of this stuff. Wrote articles on all of it, and then I paid the money to direct mail it to people, but I didn't have enough money to have a phone. Like I didn't even have a cell phone at that point. I don't think because I was all in on my landscape equipment, but I did have a w- beeper. What
3: are they? Okay.
1: <laughs> so hold on. So these people would get this direct mail piece. They would reach out to schedule a consultation or to hire me for services. They'd call my number and they would get the automated voicemail to leave me a message. But it was my pager. They had no idea they were calling a pager but it was my pager. And then I would immediately, like all people who just launched their new business that are getting leads would do, nearly get into a wreck cutting across three lanes of traffic on 459 to get off at the exit so I can go to a payphone and call these people and find out when they wanted me to stop by. Now, I would have them in a CRM with lead scoring, knowing what pages they visited, you know, and all of that stuff. And it's just interesting to see kind of the journey of how, you know, it, even in my own life and how I've had to adapt with the different stuff that's happened over the years um, to get it, get things to where they are. Now I could just log into a dashboard. and It tells me everything I need to know.
3: Right. Hey, so. I'm <laughs> just sending a carrier pigeon back to you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, David, to that point, I know that you're talking about a different era with beepers and things, but I've spent time now that I'm doing StackWise full time. I've gone to a number of different websites for insurance agents, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but I've gone to the websites. It. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. Do it. No, 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 no. I'm just no. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I'm going to make some enemies. No, but, but I've gone to a lot of different websites, insurance agents, and also some local businesses because StackWise isn't exclusive to insurance by any means. And no. I've only had one out of, I'm going to guess, 10 that I did yesterday where I actually got an automated reply. Nothing. I go to the contact us section of a website. I'd put in my information, hit submit, and it would just say, thank you. No email, no text, no voicemail. I ended up getting an email two days later, I think, on one of them. But it's like, it, even if it's just automated, you call it out. This is an automated response. We have received your message. We have received your request. Yeah. Whatever it is. I mean, one of them was for a, a car wrapping business. I'm going to get my truck wrapped with, with the StackWise logo on it. It's the closest place. I you know, I just googled it. They had decent reviews. I go to their contact us form, nothing. Now, they did email me back two days later <laughs> with, with some stuff, but still, like, if you're not reaching out to those people immediately, or at least having a automation that reaches out to them
3: they're going somewhere else.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. The yeah. next thing I did when I didn't get a response from that car wrapping place is I Googled another one. Now, fortunately totally. for this guy, there wasn't any other closer to me, but Um, (laughs) I kind of live in the boonies in Texas, but still like if, if any business, especially an insurance agency is not reaching out to people through automation after somebody takes the time to go to your website and fill out a contact us form or quote now or whatever, which I know isn't necessarily like a huge volume of people, but it's also something really easy to set up or have me set up for Mm -hmm. you or another business set up for you, um, But then secondarily, any type of bot lead, any type of bot lead has to have immediate contact through automation. Um, Our ELP leads that we were getting at the last agency, those come in 24 hours a day. You can't do anything about it. Um, Somebody gets off work late or whatever, and they get their State Farm bill in the mail and they get mad. And they, you know, it might be one o'clock in the morning that those things come in. But regardless, at that agency, we had a ringless voicemail that was sent out within two minutes. 24 hours a day, our producers, the two producers that handled those leads asked specifically to have a text message sent to their own personal cell phone, 24 hours a day. That was not the expectation. We didn't expect that they would work 24/7, but that's what they asked for. Um, So we built out that automation. And then if it was during regular business hours, those leads were actually getting the voicemail and then all the better agency automations. So it just amazes me that people will spend the money on leads but not invest the time to be able to put themselves in a position to win those leads.
3: So that's a good point. Would you say that's the biggest mistake you see when you engage with potential clients or is there something else out there that, you know, maybe is, is more common?
2: I think that's the first thing. I, I think that's the, the, the biggest mistake because ultimately to me, whenever an inbound lead comes in, unless it's a phone call, right? If, if an inbound lead comes in, that should immediately send out a ringless voicemail, an email, and a text, that uh, prospect should go into your CRM and into your AMS, you know, they're the same thing. Like those five things have got to happen on every single inbound lead. That's five activities and tasks that a human being didn't have to do. Um, there's no reason it shouldn't happen. Um, but Kyle, the second thing that I realized is that a lot of people have, I'm going to say it nicely, they don't know their close ratio. They don't know their gross yeah. ratio or they don't know their No, individual. I mean
1: look, let's just call it what it is, man. People don't know their freaking numbers. They don't un- they don't understand why they're not making money and they don't know their numbers. They can't tell you, I mean, that's that that is killing commercial 101, know your numbers, period. Start at the back, work to the front and that will tell you here's where I want to end up in terms of my income. Here's what I have to do every single day in terms of behaviors to get to that number. It's not difficult. It's just that people are lazy. And we we operate in a very lazy industry where people aren't willing to go that extra couple of steps to do it. Listen, I'm going to take what you said and take them to a completely different stratosphere and tell them they should have video in every single one of those automations. If you go to my contact page right now, there is a video embedded on my contact page that has nothing to do with Florida Risk Partners, but everything to do with who I am as a person. If I were doing that same thing that you were doing and we were closed... I drive them to a landing page that has a video on there that says, "Hey, look, really appreciate you reaching out. Obviously, you know, it it's during a time where we're not working, but I've taken the liberty of embedding my calendar and the link, you know, in the page below. Feel free to pick the time that's best for me to reach out to you during my normal working hours tomorrow." And I'd love to set up the oppor- you know, have the opportunity to talk to you. That, that stops the back and forth right away. Now you're not even reaching out to call to get the appointment. You're giving them the opportunity to book it through an embedded calendar on the landing page that they clicked on. Or that you sent them because it was after hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I want to take that point and run with it. Before I left the agency I was at, one of my goals for 2021 was that by the end of 2021, CSRs would make no unscheduled phone calls. Zero. And I know that's an unrealistic expectation, but the thing is, if somebody emails and says, oh, I got a new car, here's the VIN. Okay, great. We don't have nearly enough information to process that request, right? Is it a loan? Is it a lease? Who's the lien holder? Is it replacing the car? Is it not? Who's the primary driver? What are you using it for? Are you using it for Uber and Lyft? I mean, there's still a dozen questions we have to get answered. So what we were trying to do is steer people to the website where we had a conditional logic form that asked all those questions and they couldn't submit unless they had answers and accurate information. That's ideal. But the second thing that we could do is what you're saying right now, schedule that call. Like use an automated response to that service request that texts them that says, we need more information. Please click this calendar link and schedule a time for me to give you a call. Because our CSRs would waste so much time calling people and they're not available. And then when that person is available and they call back, the CSR is not available. And it just becomes this loop of wasting time. Like, it's just pointless. So you can automate those responses. You can automate those calendar links to schedule opportunities to get that service request or, you know, uh, new client onboarding or whatever it is that you want to get done, done um, without wasting everybody's time to do it because also when you send that calendar yeah. link to somebody you're getting them to commit to that time it goes on their calendar whether they use a calendar or not and it becomes something that they've committed to well and they have to accept the appoint
1: they have yeah. to accept the appointment yeah. they have to reconfirm at least in my world mm-hmm. they have to reconfirm the appointment and i don't have people miss calls with me right. like it, it it's really kind of basic, but it's also pretty easy to do. I mean, it's powerful. Yeah. It's it's an easy thing to do, but it's powerful. I mean, when you go from people not respecting your time and not showing up 50% of the time that they book an appointment with you to 100% of the people being there, that's a minor tweak that's going to yield far better
2: results for you no matter what. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if if you're using that in your sales process, like You know, we would always tell our team, like, do not email quotes. Don't give them the ball, but instead book that time to present what you found. And then if they don't answer the phone, which they should, but if they don't, then you use that time that you've already blocked off to record a video proposal and you send them the video proposal because you've already blocked that time for the presentation. You might as well do something productive with it um, instead of just emailing the quote or trying to reschedule without actually sending them anything. It's a fair point
1: yeah you know it's um it's just interesting how easy a lot of this stuff can be. you know text automation's another one, you know, and for us, we have it on a form they have to implicitly opt in for text communication i mean it's very, very clear, do you wish to receive text notifications from us, yes or no. And if it's no, then they don't get any. And if it's yes, we're gonna text the bejesus out of them, honestly. Because we've we've automated that stuff, right? So, you know, we use Neoteric Agent for our personal lines and small commercial video quoting. We we do the video in Loom, we embed it into Neoteric, but we like Neoteric because it's a static link that the only differentiator is the email address that you use to log into. So you can build your automations around that and you can send the message out via email and text. And everything else, but those are the kinds of things that I think really, you know, agencies need to think about, right? You know, well, we just think so about s- everything
3: in your in your in your everyday life. Like I get stuff like that for almost everything that I do. Like when I have a hair appointment, I get a text, you know, the the day of or the or or whenever I do it, confirming the appointment. When I have a doctor's appointment, like it's like, like what, literally, twice a year? what's that?
1: Like twice a year? <laughs> what for my hair? I
3: mean, yeah, See, I get a haircut like every month, bro. I just wear a lot of hats. Uh, I mean so but yeah like if, if so you just I. think about it you know that stuff exists in our everyday life it's like why why wouldn't you as an agent or as an agency owner you know implement that in your own agency it's the way everything's going I mean think about the think think about the demographic that's coming up the, the people that are going to be purchasing insurance for the next 40 years it's it's my generation it's t- it's tech you know young younger people like that's how things are done,
2: right? And it makes me wonder what's the next thing. I, I'm sure there's already yeah. people that know what the next thing is, and I've, I've got to figure that out. Right. I hope they tell us. But I mean, it, it might be messaging through social platforms. I mean, it might be heck. I don't know. That that's about the only idea I can come up with is messaging through social platforms instead of texts. But really, anything where you can send a push notification—that's um, what people are, you know, addicted to. Frankly, I mean, th- they're designed to be addictive. So if we can yep. find a way to leverage that addiction, it's going to help us grow our books of business, grow better businesses, um, and ultimately do better for ourselves, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's awesome. And, and the people that are breaking ground on those types of, of platforms and are willing to take chances to communicate through different means are the ones that are going to win.
1: Well, look, I don't talk about it a lot on the podcast or in person for that matter. But my wife and I have a little e-commerce business we set up over 10 years ago that's a nice little passive revenue stream for us. But it helped me learn and it's a great testing ground for me to understand how to, to market to massive amounts of people over the internet. You know, And so one of the things that we've started doing that has actually been very, very powerful is marketing through facebook messenger and the open rates are absurd right like everybody gets facebook messenger they're gonna hammer it man Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you know the 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 quid pro quo is there's a discount wheel on the websites that we have they click it to get a coupon code but you're giving you're agreeing to enroll in messenger notifications by doing that and we don't get anybody at all whoever complains you know the people want it if nothing else Looking at the redirected traffic to the website through the link in those messenger campaigns, I mean, it's not even like a hundred percent increase, it's like a thousand percent increase.
3: Facebook crushes me. I have bought so much shit from Facebook just scrolling uh, through to actually two times today of stuff that I saw aside- yesterday and today.
1: Aside from my underwear and socks, every ounce of clothing I am wearing <laughs> came from Facebook Messenger. My FRP branded Apple watch band came from Facebook Messenger. It's insane. It, my shoes really came from face from or not. I shouldn't say Messenger, but inside my newsfeed. Yeah, right. And that's the problem, that's man. I mean. That's that's what I. Mean. That's where they get you. That's where they get you. Once you buy it once, you're done, man. We've already talked about and retargeting.
3: I know. And, and it's crazy because I think you, whatever you, was it eight times it takes, you said earlier? I mean, it's, it well. I, there was something I was scrolling through and I'd, I'd seen it, I don't know, more than that, dozens of times. I'm like, nah, Guaranteed. I'm just not going to do it. Not going to do it. it. Not going to do it. Damn, that shirt looks good. I'm going to go ahead and buy that.
1: Yep, and then you get it. It's from China. It says it's a double X, but it's a double extra medium, just like the freaking <laughs> skunk ape, ape camp shirt I bought for myself that my wife told me I have to give to you now because I'll never fit into it. It is absurd. If I put that thing on, it would be YouTube gold because I could do fat guy in a little guy, shirt. yeah, uh, oh yeah, and it would be epic. But I would definitely ruin
2: it as soon as I tried to, you know push my shoulders together <laughs> if you guys are golfers the, the face the only per, uh no I've, i bought two things off facebook i bought the hey dudes the hey dude shoes right uh dude crush the hey dudes They're the five pair and
1: yeah.
2: then the other one if you're a golfer are the birdie corn have you seen those it's a di- what was no, it i will now birdie corn it's a it's a divot tool a ball marker a magnet a ball striper um and a bottle opener yeah. all in one. I mean, it's like the best six dollar oh. bottle opener I've ever bought in my life. It's spectacular. Somebody
1: <laughs> bought those in bulk for a quarter apiece. They're selling yeah. them for six bucks, and they're not even handling their own fulfillment. It's okay. just being drop shipped out of Shopify yep. or Amazon
2: or one of those places. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. And I'm willing I'm willing to pay whatever the markup is there, but it you know, it was great. It's a wonderful tool. So I just gave them a plug too.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, that's the way we have to be thinking. I mean, I don't want people to think, oh, these guys are all in a rabbit hole now. We're not even talking about insurance anymore. No, actually, we're talking about human psychology and marketing, which is extremely relevant to the insurance industry. Yeah. And this, you know, truthfully, I don't think, I think Facebook's the nut that nobody's cracked yet in the insurance industry. I really don't. I mean, people advertise on there. Not to and the they extent have some- that it
3: could be, right?
1: And they have some level of success, but I don't think anybody out there that's in the agency world can say, you know what? I dominate Facebook. I'm just absolutely crushing it. You know, and I'll be interested to see what that secret sauce ends up being. You know, Mm -hmm. who figures it out first? What's the product? All of that. We could probably do really, really well with Florida Wedding Insurance on Facebook, right? Because now you have all the right interests, all the right groups. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to let Duran handle all the leads. (laughs) Apparently, he's a wedding insurance expert now. (laughs) I love it. Like, I heard... (laughs) What what tipped me off is when he was talking to somebody about... He was congratulating them on their nuptials. Like, who even says that?
3: My my grandfather. What? I wouldn't even know how to respond to that. (laughs) It's good stuff. Thanks.
1: Yeah, so... Casey, let's let's talk a little bit about the landscape of the CRMs that are out there right now. I know that you're a fan of Better Agency. I'm a fan of Better Agency. I do my best to be product agnostic on the show, even though I'm a raving fan of Better Agency. And for those of you that didn't hear it the first couple of times, I'm a huge fan of Better Agency. <laughs> that being said, you know, talk a little bit about the landscape because I think that people have figured out that if they have a basic product that is an easy entry point that's got some prebuilt stuff, but not too difficult to tweak that you can slide into the insurance space and get some market share relatively quickly. I mean, call it what it is, but agency zoom has done that. I think that the ease of use, the price point and all of that has led to them growing very, very rapidly. And I could probably sit here and try and shoot holes in their product, but I don't necessarily know that there really are any based on what it does and how easy it is to use. And their own numbers speak for themselves. I think that that's good for the industry. I think the fact that we're we're, we're take instead of trying to take an industry that is so slow to adopt and adapt and make them go to where technology is, the technology companies that are really doing the best have figured out let's dial our tech back a little bit and make it a little easier to use and understand and appeal to some of these people and i call them the calendar senders cuz they're the agencies that still send out calendars at christmas time nobody reads that crap my calendar's on my phone people no I, I mean i don't have anything at all on my refrigerator or any of that but that's that's if you send calendars out from your agency you probably don't have a crm i think
2: that's, that's pretty, fair. yeah that's a pretty fair assumption um, but you
1: could, and that's that's the point. You yeah. could very easily by looking at some of the newer products that have come to the marketplace, and by talking to a guy like Casey that can help you get started in that and and build it out to where it's going to work for your firm. Take the calendar money, put it into a CRM, and you're gonna. I want. I will give somebody right now a one hundred dollar gift card to dinner anywhere. If you can give me a provable story of someone who bought. From your agency because you sent them a calendar at Christmas. <laughs> it's open. I'm not even gonna ask Kyle for fifty percent of the hundred bucks. I'll sponsor oh, I'll do it. it. If you're listening to this and you can prove it to me, I'll send you a hundred dollar gift card wherever you want to go. I'm That's limiting awesome. you to one, but email me.
3: My David at Killing to send me one Killing Commercial every year.
1: Yeah, David they- at Killing dot com. <laughs> Nobody cares about Norman Rockwell anymore. Uh,
2: sure. Sure. Yeah, in our office, uh at the old agency, we had uh, somebody who was in commercial real estate send us a Texas Rangers, you know, schedule magnet. You know, that's that always cracked me up because it wasn't licensed by the team. And then the COVID schedule changed, and I thought, man, this guy wasted a lot of money um, printing those off and sending them out. But no. But to your question about the CRM, so I think that the CRM argument or the CM at the CRM kind of decision is so tailored to what an agency does or who an agency is. And yeah, I I make no secret about it. Like we used Better Agency uh, at the last last agency and I love Better Agency. Um, In StackWise now, I've been able to help some people that have agency Zoom and I've gotten into that system and used it now. And and I think that's also a great system. Like I'm not, I don't want to be like, I guess I am agnostic. I mean, I don't want to come in and tell people like, oh, you're using this and you should be using something else. I mean, if they ask for my opinion, I'll give it to them, but there's so much advancement happening. And even in just those two platforms, if we're just talking about those two, they are constantly making changes and and responding to their clients um, by adding features. And it's super exciting. This is like the most exciting thing I've ever been a part of, at least to see the changes and be able to provide feedback to some of those vendors. I don't know, man. My
1: wedding night was pretty good, actually. So,
2: <laughs> As far as exciting things. You know, I mean, you know. Just throwing that out there. Exciting. <laughs> I was going to use it different. I'm, I'm told. told mine was. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, you'd
1: have to know Kyle and his uh, proclivity for finely crafted old fashions. My guess is there were about Yikes. two dozen in that night.
3: It was a lot.
2: Old fashions are yeah. pretty nice. Are pretty nice. Um But, you know, I think that whether it's a CRM or any other type of tool that you're talking about, like the podiums of the world, um, I think that there's just it's so tailored to what you want to do. I think that as long as you're committed to using it and committed to finding ways to maximize all the different features, I think that's probably the most important part. Because I've talked to people that don't use an entire third of agency Zoom or an entire third of better agency Mm And they're paying for it, but they're not using it. So, you know, is that money well spent? Well, well clearly not. And that's my role is to come in there and help them. You learn how to utilize those tools to the maximum potential they have.
1: You know, it's funny that you bring that up because it's something similar to what we just went through when we brought KPA on board. Okay, so KPA is a great. Uh, a great tool for middle market commercial accounts. We can build risk management centers for each one of our clients that are in that platform, mm. but it is not a cheap investment. Okay, you are definitely going to spend some coin to have KPA. So for us, our middle market accounts are where we focus. You know, giving that tool to. But when I was cutting the deal with them to to get our contract in place, originally I had planned on, you know, uh, just starting out with 25 clients right out of the box and i went back to rob stansberry the guy you know that i deal with there and i told him i'm like you know listen let me let me just stop for 2 seconds i'm not going to use your product any less but it makes zero sense for me to commit to having 25 people on your platform the second we start using it mm-hmm. we're going to have ramp up time in the agency to learn it we're going to take time to onboard the clients you know based on who needs it the most first So why don't we start the contract with 10 with a gentleman's agreement that I'm going to ramp up to 25 and then ultimately 50 because I don't really feel like paying for all these licenses knowing it's humanly humanly impossible for me to be able to to get through all of this stuff. And we're at a point now where we have such robust tech offerings and and value adds to our clients. I got a full-time person that does nothing except interface our tech with our clients. Mm-hmm. To make sure that they're onboarded, that they understand it, and then she's going to hold them accountable to make sure they're using it because that's number the part one, that's I'm- the
3: most important and we were talking about that yesterday during uh sales meeting. I think you you stepped out on that call, but I mean it, that that that's it right there. I mean, it's it's all well and good to get somebody set up, but are they using it? Are they using it consistently and doing doing the right things?
1: Yeah, and for the producers out there listening, the reason why that is important is because we represented to the underwriters that they had this tool and that's what they were we were going to use to help clean some of the things up that had got the account into the shape that it was in. So I'm really ensuring that I'm delivering to the underwriters that I made promises to. Clients don't want to adopt this stuff. You have to stay on them. When do they adopt it? Well, I can tell you right now. I've got a plumbing account that's got a little bit of a frequency issue. They had three they rear-ended three people within a span of like 3 weeks this year. Woof. And it's with auto it's with auto owners and auto owners doesn't you know they don't want to see three rear ends in one policy period. No. It doesn't matter that the 5 year snapshot is absolutely crystal clean outside of those three issues. Those claims aren't even that high dollar of a claim, but they happened. And so auto owners believes you just said just yesterday that it was happen. the
3: frequency thing, not a not a severity right. thing
1: yeah like like he said when he was in here when our mm-hmm. auto owner's rep was in, it it's frequency we're worried about because they know that if we keep rear ending three people in three weeks or whatever it is, eventually you're gonna have the big one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so mm-hmm. we have to go back and my immediate response when I got that was, hey guys, come on, here's five years worth of loss runs. They've only been with you for one of those years. This account is crystal clean. Mm-hmm. you know even even with the three claims, the loss ratio was only like eighteen percent. Right. And so right. we we I, I went to him and I was like, look, we're doing this, we're doing this, and we just invested in KPA. We're running everybody through distracted driving training, defensive driving training. We have predetermined driver selection criteria. We're doing pre-hire road tests now. We're doing all of these things. And I had to go back to auto owners and say, Look, here improve it to them. Here here is the actual evidence that we're doing this stuff. And get the underwriter to reverse that non-renewal based on all of the things we had proactively done. Shame on me for not telling them the second that we did it. It might have avoided us having to go through the hassle of dealing with the client getting a non-renewal. But that's the deal, man. I don't think that the clients understand. So let's say we don't do that. Well, if this guy gets an increase of $25,000 in premium because we had to move him to another carrier, I'm pretty sure he's going to adopt the technology we recommend at that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Casey, I'm going to be respectful of time, man. We're a little over what we originally had had, uh, talked about. Thanks, Kyle. Um, But anyhow.
3: (laughs) I'll I'll take it this time. Usually it's you. So whatever.
1: Tell them where to find you, man. I'm sure people are going to want to reach out. I can tell you right now for people in Killing Commercial listening to this. One of the conversations that I had with Casey prior to us going live was I felt like he really needed to make sure he was able to navigate and became proficient in the Zoho CRM platform because there are a lot of people in Killing Commercial that are on that platform. And he told me that is number one tops at his list. So I want him to tell you how to get a hold of him because I get people all the time asking who
2: can help me develop Zoho. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is Stackwise dot com and that's s-t-a-k-w-i-s-e so there's no c in there uh you can find me on stackwise.com um and like you said i am going to jump into zoho we we tinkered with zoho a couple years ago but didn't go with it so um now with that glowing recommendation i'm going to learn it inside and out and make sure that um everybody who uses zoho can be a potential client of stackwise so um really just you know check out stackwise.com you can schedule a call I'd love to do a preliminary consultation with everybody. Make sure that you are using the tools that you already have. Make sure you've got some good processes in place, like David said earlier. And my goal is really to take stuff off of your plate um, so that we can automate everything that can be automated. We can help you with your contact rate. We can even help you know your numbers better. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. If you don't know your numbers and you don't know how to track your numbers, we can help with that too. Um, these are all things that, that I did at the last agency I was with. Uh, they're things that I've become passionate about, especially the technology and the problem solving. Um, it gets my motor going, makes me a nerd, and that's fine. I will accept that badge with honor. And um, yeah, check it out on stackwise.com. You can schedule an appointment. Uh, my Calendly link is there as well. So I'd love to help you out. I'd love to be a solution. Um, I'd love to be an asset for you that helps you sell more business.
3: Cool. With that said, we're gonna wrap it up. Kyle, take us home. Cool. Hey, everybody, real quick. I, I, you know, we've been talking about it. I, I'd really appreciate if you guys could leave us a review, maybe a like. You know, if you, if you like this podcast, that would be great. Share for this us. piece,
1: man. Share it.
3: You know, just do it. That would be awesome. We appreciate you guys, and uh, you know, we will catch you next week. Thanks, Casey.
2: Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, David. I appreciate you having
0: me on.